amigos, bienvenidos a todos nuestra familia. Hello friends and welcome to all of our family. Yes, we are coming to you from outside because we can. It is uh, sunny and it seems like spring might be finally on the way. And so we celebrate that and we celebrate you. Wherever you're joining us from, we are so grateful that God continues to allow us to connect, whether that's in space at Rock Island or Bettendorf campus, um, at Kiwani, online, or through TV. We are so grateful for the opportunity he's given us to hear from him, uh, to, to lean into truth, to connect to each other, um, to connect to God, and also to explore more of what he has for us, not just um, in our here and now, but also in our next. We are so grateful um, for the opportunity to pray for you and to connect with you. And so if you wanna connect with us, you can do that through the Church Center app and fill out a Connect card um, online or through our app. And we would love to pray for you or connect you to group opportunities and opportunities to do life together. You know, in this season, one of the truths that we've really anchored ourselves in is that our God is the God of the impossible, that His arm is not too short to save. And so as we worship together, let this truth wash over you, that God loves you, that He sees you, that He is for you, and nothing is impossible with our God.
creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we hear Christ be magnified
Throughout this season, we've been inviting you into practices of mind, body, spirit, and community. Ways where we're invited to be fully present to what Holy Spirit is saying and doing and to those around us. As we walk this journey called Lent, this journey toward the cross and the empty tomb where we're invited to create space for God to speak and move uniquely in and through us, we have some resources that we want to remind you of that you can find at heritageqc.com and on the Church Center app. One of those actually intersects with the practice that we're going to be talking about today. It's a practice of the Spirit called journaling. It's a practice that is as simple as it sounds. It's when we write down the thoughts, the prayers, the reflections that God is giving us as a means of going back and looking back later to see where God has led us and the invitation to step into more. One of those resources is this booklet. It's one full of weekly readings and opportunity for you to jot down your thoughts right there. Now, one of my own journaling practices is one where I'll read a scripture and see how it informs how I might pray back to God what it is that he's said in his word. So recently I was reading Psalm 50, verse 3, and it says these words, it's simple. Our God approaches, and he is not silent. I took these words and wrote down this prayer that I'd like to pray over and with you. So would you pray this with me? O oh God, our God, you approach. You will not be stopped. You cannot be contained. You are the one who pursues us. We are desperate for you to move. 
to approach us in these circumstances of life, of death, of hope, of heartache. Be not silent. You are the one who creates and sustains and renews and calls us to life by your hand. We are waiting for you because you, O oh Lord, alone have the words of life. Speak over us. Speak for us. Speak in us. Speak through us. Our God approaches and he is not silent. Amen and amen. Hey friends, whether you're a regular part of the Heritage family, a frequent guest, or just now checking things out, I am super excited that you're leaning in today from wherever you are. We are well on our way towards Easter, a time where we celebrate the most important event in all of human history, Jesus conquering sin and death. He defeated death, he conquered the grave, his purpose was our rescue, and he gives us a way back to God, by his crown and by the cross. And we're looking at all of that with a bit of a hop, skip, and a jump through the book of Mark. In fact, if you have a Bible, I wanna invite you to grab it and turn to Mark chapter four. Mark is the second book of the New Testament, and we're gonna settle in there in a few moments looking at a story with the disciples where they were in what could really, really be called a bit of a close shave, if you will. Now, as you're turning there, I want to ask if you've ever been in a close shave moment. You know, one of those kind of life and death moments. For me, I had one of those experiences a number of years ago when I was investigating a crash as a state trooper on a very icy interstate. I heard a car coming down the on-ramp, but what I heard was not the engine of the car. I heard the car itself bouncing along the guardrail. And when I saw it, I immediately knew it was about to bounce off of me next. Or maybe I would bounce off of it. Either way, I knew I needed to act, and so I jumped over the guardrail just in time to avoid being struck. It was a close shave moment for me. And close shave moments, man, they're a bit unnerving. They can provoke different thoughts and different emotions. And in the, the limitations that we have in that moment, in the vulnerability we feel in the circumstances, we can choose to respond well, or we can choose to respond poorly. And what we're looking at around the story of the disciples today is a moment similar to that, a close shave moment where they had an opportunity to respond. So let's go ahead and get to this now. I invite you again, be in Mark chapter four. We're gonna be starting at verse 35, but just for a little bit of context, this is taking place just after Jesus had completed some teaching from a boat. He often taught from a boat because it did two things. One, it gave him a little bit of distance from the crowds pressing in, but it also provided pretty good acoustics. 
And when he's done with this teaching, rather than heading back into shore, he gives his disciples direction or invitation to set course to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. This is where we're picking that up. Mark 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And he's already in the boat, he's staying in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Now, I love the detail of scripture. There were other, literally, little boats with them. That's fascinating to me. I love the nuances of scripture, and that's a detail I missed for a number of years. But scripture is always intentional on what it communicates. And in this particular case, it wasn't just Jesus with his disciples in one boat. There were other boats along too. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, that would be the back, sleeping on a cushion. What I want you to see in that moment is that Jesus is fully human. And oh, by the way, Jesus took naps, which gives whole new meaning to the statement, be like Jesus. And you parents out there, you know the value of naps. <laughs> but listen, after a bit of time in that storm dynamic, an unknown period of time, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. When the wind died down and it was completely calm, he said to his disciples, why are you so incompetent, weak? No, wait, no, no, no. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith, no belief, no trust? Notice he doesn't say little faith. No faith. That had to sting a little bit. But they seemingly missed that because, verse 41, it says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, this had to be a crazy storm, a derecho-like storm on the water. And which, if a derecho is a land-based hurricane, then a derecho on water might actually get us back to being a hurricane. I don't really know how that works. And it quite doesn't really matter because that's not the point. The point is this was a rough storm. So bad that even the few disciples who were professional fishermen, experienced men on this particular body of water, were at their wits end and they were afraid. It was so bad they, they end up waking Jesus up. But there's a whole bunch of questions for me about what they do. It's, it's kind of odd. And maybe you even wondered this because they don't ask him to intervene. They don't ask him to help. They didn't even wake him right away. They, they, maybe they were choosing to take care of it on their own. Maybe they were trying to care for him or maybe they were just trying to prove themselves at first. But when they realized that they couldn't resolve this, when they realized it was beyond their control, beyond their, their ability, they wake him up, but they do it with low expectations. They were focused on the circumstances more than they were focused on him. And they didn't expect him to calm things down. They just wake him up to complain. It's an intriguing thing for me that the disciples don't ask him to do anything. That they just complain. They, they don't even ask, hey, do you know that there's a storm happening? <laughs> hey, would you mind rowing? Would you mind helping out? Would you mind stopping it? They, they don't make a request. There is no request. It's, they just push against what they thought was a, a bit of a lack of care or an indifference. Yet for me, what Jesus says is key. 
And I'm not talking about the peace, be still moment. That's iconic. That's epic. It's impressive. It's really the crown moment for Jesus because he has all authority over all creation. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And he demonstrates that. Well, what I'm talking about is, is just a fascinating dynamic because of what he said in verse 35, where he just says, let's go over to the other side. See, when, when Jesus said it, he called his disciples to an action. He, he invites them to a trip. He doesn't say, hey, let's go out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee and let's drown. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that, look, this is going to be easy. He just says, look, there's a trip. Uh, here's, uh, let's make a trip. And he doesn't guarantee simplicity. He doesn't say, as I said, it's going to be easy or without hardship or that they should doubt in any way. He simply said, let's cross over to the other side. Now, the thing about Jesus is that he is trustworthy and he can be trusted. Jesus always does what he says he will do. God the Father, God the Son are faithful and true to keep their promises. In Numbers chapter 23, it says that God doesn't lie. He, he doesn't speak and then not act, he, that he fulfills his promises. In Isaiah 38, it says that the Lord will do what he has promised. He is faithful. He is true. He does not waver and neither should we. And really what we have by his very nature is a Lord who provides stability and instability and certainty even in uncertainty. And we can turn to him in any storm. The, the circumstances for the disciples, although those changed for them, the task in this moment did not. The, the weather shifted, but Jesus' authority and what he desired did not change. Yet somewhere along the way, the disciples drift. They choose a lesser path. They choose a different dynamic. dynamic. They let circumstances change their view and their task. But hear me, circumstances are a poor measurement for gauging anything. Poor measurement. Our God allows things and orchestrates things. There are things he puts in motion, and then there are things that he just lets happen. Sometimes they look and feel the same. Just consider another storm in contrast to this one. Back in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Jonah found himself in a storm because he chose to disobey the Lord. But in this case, in the New Testament, the disciples find themselves in a storm because they chose to obey. You see what I'm saying? There are two different dynamics, but yet they feel very similar. And circumstances are a poor gauge, a poor measurement of anything. But let's just go one layer deeper in this idea of a storm, because the storm is not the focus in this passage. And actually, there are two types of storms in life, two types of complexity that we can bump into. There are the storms that we create, and then there are the storms that we encounter. The ones that we create are the ones out of rebellion and running, uh, resisting, the poor choices that we make, like, like Jonah. But the other ones we encounter are because of someone else's actions, because of a spiritual dynamic or even a greater purpose that's connected to it. We experience those storms as we step faithfully in whatever Jesus has asked us to do, obedient and focused. Yet in both kinds of storms, in either way, the invitation and the solution is the same. It's to look to Jesus. It's to turn to him in pursuit, not protest. See, there, there are dynamics in faith and life that don't always make sense to us. 
Quite honestly, God does things I don't understand sometimes. And as frustrating as that can be, I'm glad that we serve a God who's beyond our comprehension, who can't fit in a nice little box of our own understanding. Yet I'll tell you, he can be trusted. And the invitation for you and for me, for us, is to be faithful to him, to look to him more than looking to circumstances, to turn to him rather than even turning to ourselves. And the disciples in this dynamic eventually turn, but they, they turn with doubt, not confidence. And the thing is, circumstances reveal our trustworthiness, not just his. Circumstances reveal our trustworthiness, not just his. See, the Lord is always trustworthy, but even in our best intentions, we aren't. It's hit and miss. We get some things right, some things wrong. And this Mark 4 experience wasn't just about a crossing to the other side, but about a space of trust, an opportunity to demonstrate trust. It wasn't just about a forceful storm. It was really about an invitation to faithful focus in the midst of it, in a space of in between, if you will, in the complexity, because circumstances reveal our trustworthiness, not just his. I, I saw somebody recently post something that made a lot of sense to me. They said, don't interpret God through your circumstances. Interpret your circumstances through the goodness of God. That's a good invitation because it's an invitation to not evaluate God based on what we experience, but to evaluate what we experienced, experiencing based on who God is. And the disciples missed that opportunity. Look, following Jesus inherently puts us in a space of tensions, a series of tensions. It's the dynamic of kingdom uh, at times. At other times, it's really around what he asks us to do and the implications of that, or, or even what we experience as we follow him. There are seemingly contradictory dynamics that feel like oxymorons. We know what oxymorons are, right? The figure of speech in which apparently contradictory terms appear in conjunction. They are those classic word combinations like jumbo shrimp or deafening silence or original copy or growing smaller. Those, they seem to be in conflict. But get this, the tensions we encounter in areas of faith and God aren't oxymorons, but spaces of tension with divine dynamics. Think with me for a moment. If you just consider the cross and the crown, that, that they sit in contrast, a space of tension, but also relief. Uh, there's a space of loss, but yet reward in the things of kingdom, the things of Jesus. A space of sacrifice, but yet life. Pain, but gain. There is, there is suffering, but redemption. It's this dynamic of what is and what is not yet. And each are a space and an invitation to a choice, to look to him, to turn to him. The question is, do we actually do that? Because in the possibility, in the reality, in the hint of trouble or the close shave moment, we can experience power in the middle if we remain, if we persevere, if we trust. Just consider the words of James. James was the brother of Jesus, and he said this in, the, in James chapter 1, verse 12. If your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. 
True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. James tells us right there that God has a purpose in allowing trouble. It's for us to succeed in whatever storm we face, to prove faithful even in the face of temptation. It's so our faith would be shown for what it is, real and genuine or not. And I wonder what yours is today. Because if it is steadfast, there is reward, a crown of life. And remember, circumstances reveal our trustworthiness, not just his. And James said that that can lead, again, to that crown of life reality. Suffering can lead to blessing. So let me just ask you, where where has Jesus directed you, invited you, but you have encountered resistance in it? You've encountered opposition. You've encountered some storms, if you will. Maybe it's a relational drama dynamic, a work challenge, or a complicated family dynamic. It may even be in a private struggle, an ongoing temptation that seems impossible to overcome. Whatever it is, you're faced with a choice to continue in that thing or to turn to him. And when you turn to him, the choice is either to complain or to invite his authority and power to be brought to bear in that dynamic. Let's just go back to the disciples for a moment. Although this is not just about a crossing, there is a primary element in the crossing. In fact, there's some significant spiritual dynamics to take place on the other side, which for some scholars it believes explains a bit the intensity of the storm, that there was a spiritual dynamic behind the storm. And that starts to make sense when we look at Jesus didn't just quiet the waves, he rebuked the wind. But that's not the only thing happening here. There's also this opportunity to trust. And we, we know that because of what Jesus says in response. Let's just go back for a moment. And this is going to be in the Passion Translation. Here's what he says to the disciples. Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? Learn to trust. You still have no faith. Look, I believe in that moment they were trying to have a, a full grasp, trying to get Their heads wrapped around what was happening, but they just couldn't do it. And the truth is, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain what we do not see. So it isn't always going to be explained and it isn't always going to be revealed. We have to choose to step and trust. And Jesus continually surprised his disciples in that dynamic. Continually. He, He didn't meet expectations. He exceeded their understanding and he surpassed their desires. Yet he overcame their limitations and weakness when they let him. And in a matter of a few moments, the disciples saw both the complete humanity and deity of Jesus, truly man and truly God. And that left them them with a choice to turn, believe, to obey, to trust, or not. Quite honestly, that's the same choice for us. That's the same choice that you and I have today of when we turn and look in the tensions of the storms, where do we turn and look? Listen, he loves us, but he lets us choose. He knows what we need, but he waits for us to ask. Yet he is worthy of trust in any dynamic. The question then becomes, though, are we? And whenever we sit in a tension between the cross and the crown, the the tensions that that represents, we can remain focused on him. And when we do, his, his promises come about as we sit, as we remain faithful in the middle between what, what he says and what we expected. 
between what we experience and what he does and when he does it. Because once he said something, once he's declared it, it will happen. He is trustworthy. This is trustworthy. We can trust him. Again, though, will we? But circumstances, they reveal our trustworthiness and not just his. We get to decide how we will sit in the tensions, in the space between. And I want to invite you today to choose the only way out of any and every storm. Whether it's family, whether it's work, whether it's health-related, any close-shave moment. One that you created or one that you've encountered. And that is to lay hold of Jesus. To do what Paul declares in Galatians 2.20 and identifying yourself with him. Crucified but given life. Here's what Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ. That's a cross moment for us to die to self. And I no longer, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's because he gives us a crown. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. By his cross and by his crown. There is so much beauty in that. His faithfulness is revealed in ours. His power is best revealed when when we're willing to remain faithful in the tensions of the storms of life, in the space between what is and what is not yet, in those unexpected storms. And to those who love him, he gives a crown of life. And in Mark 4, Jesus didn't just rescue the disciples. He rescued everybody else in all the other little boats. And he will rescue you as well if you let him, if you invite him in with authority, with authority and power into your life. It's actually really interesting to me that the storm didn't disturb Jesus but the unbelief of his disciples sure did. He didn't come out of that moment going, wow, that was a crazy storm like many of us coming out of the derecho last year. He came out of that moment saying, wow, you still doubt. You still lack trust. You still have no faith. He'd entrusted them to make a trip to the other side. Yet they wavered in returning their trust because they looked at the circumstances more than they looked to him. And in a space of total calm, when his disciples should have been filled with an overwhelming peace, they were instead filled with overwhelming fear. So as you process all this today, I want to ask where you are letting circumstances shape what Jesus has already defined in your life. What are you letting circumstances shape that Jesus has already defined? Maybe it's in your identity with him, your relationship with him. You've gone sideways, you've drifted because things haven't gone the way you thought they would go. Maybe it's in your willingness just to trust, to step into the unknown. Perhaps it's where you're turning. You've been turning to yourself. You've been turning to a habit rather than turning to him. Where, where are you doubting that you can even get to the other side or even worse, doubting him? A job reality, some unknown anticipated problem, whether it's possible, probable, or even actual. The invitation for you and I is to... Is to Embrace faithfulness in a space because he fulfills his promises. His, his promise, though, never comes with a promise of ease or simplicity. Yet he is Lord, even over wind and waves. And his power is revealed as we remain focused and faithful in the storms of life, in the tensions of the in-between. There is no trouble-free guarantee in following Jesus, I'll tell you that. It's actually more the opposite but it is always worth it. But you and I get to choose where we look, where we turn, where we place our trust. Are we gonna place it 
our attention and focus and trust in circumstances, or we're going to place it in, in the risen Lord Jesus, who has the power and authority over all things of creation and invites us into life. What are we going to let define us? Circumstances or him? That's the invitation today, and it's a choice you get to make. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, I thank you that you are a God of love and grace and favor and mercy, that in any storm, you are faithful. Even when we struggle or waver, you do not. So I pray in these next few moments that you would whisper your love and your peace, your invitation to a direction and to a purpose for each of my brothers and sisters so that they would then respond with faithfulness and trust and attention and focus on you so that your power and authority be made manifest in and through our lives for your glory in whatever storm we face now and the storm we face yet to come. I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. Savior say the strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me that all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow
has paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as my strength the joy of the Lord is my strength in the darkness I'll dance in the shadows I'll sing the joy of the Lord is my strength come on the joy of the Lord is my strength the joy of the Lord is my strength darkness I'll dance in the shadows
You know, one of the realities of this season that we're in called Lent, that journey toward the cross and the empty tomb, is a reminder of God's great faithfulness in every circumstance. It's also an invitation for you and for me to create space in the circumstances of our lives right now, to encounter God in new and fresh ways, to be reminded of His great faithfulness, and to receive the invitation to be found faithful wherever we are, whatever we're facing. I'm grateful for that reminder in Lent, and I'm grateful for the reminder that Pastor Sean shared in his message today. We have some great resources that will help you journey intentionally in Lent. You can find those at heritageqc.com and on the Church Center app. There are opportunities to create space, to be fully present, to journey intentionally in whatever circumstance you're in and encounter the unique things that God wants to do in these days in your life even right. Now, you may have noticed that I'm joining you from a different space than perhaps you've seen before. That's because we are super pumped about the relaunch of our kids' environments starting at 9 o'clock on March 14th. That's right, at 9 o'clock on March 14th, at both our Rock Island and Bettendorf locations, we have full kids' programming for kids age 4 through 3rd grade. We're excited about incrementally expanding those options in the days and weeks ahead. But starting next weekend, kids age 4 through 3rd grade can join us for programming designed to help them uniquely connect with God, others, and their purpose. You can register for those opportunities starting now using the Church Center app. You'll go to the app and then select events, identify the campus location you're going to be participating in, and register your child right there. When you arrive, you'll find a station a lot like this one that'll allow you to check in without having to touch anything. It'll just scan your phone seamlessly. We have all kinds of opportunities for families to connect. And if you want information about what those are, we encourage you to sign up for the various newsletters from our Family Life team at heritageqc.com or the Church Center app. Now, we know that God is doing great and wonderful things in so many ways. 
we have heard you share with us the ways that you've encountered God uniquely in this season and in the times past. We expect that God is going to continue to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. And that's how we're praying for you, for your family, for your circumstance in these days. May you be found faithful today, even as God is faithful. We'll see you soon. Well, hey, Heritage families. Uh, we are very excited about Heritage Kids in-person services uh, incrementally relaunching starting on March 14th. So we're just a couple weekends away from that, and we can't wait to see how God will move within Heritage Kids and families as we provide safe, fun, and engaging opportunities that will help these kids connect with God, others, and with their purpose. And for this first phase, uh, we're going to be opening up for kids four years old through third grade. Initially, children will need to be pre-registered due to limited capacity. You can register your child by using our new registration program through the Church Center app. All you do is you click on events, then you click on the service for the campus that you're attending. So if your child is not in our system, you can just simply add them like this. And if you get to the screen and you see that we are all full, all you have to do is back out and sign up for our wait list like this. When attending the service, we are asking our kids to check in between 8.35 and 8.50. If you are not checked in by 8.50, we are assuming that you are unable to make it and we will start checking in people from our wait list who are present and standing in our waiting area. Even though things may look a bit different, we have a ton of fun, engaging activities that we are sure will help your child to connect with God, each other, and their purpose. We look forward to these next reopening stages in which we are gonna incrementally expand environments for more age groups and services. We thank you for your support and your prayers as we continue to honor and steward our resources, volunteer teams, and families. We have enjoyed partnering with our families during this season, and we are gonna to continue to do so. We always welcome children, of course, in our worship services, and we are gonna to continue to offer our Heritage Kids Family Service on YouTube at Heritage Kids QC. And we are looking forward to being back in space with you. When the waters rise, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to you. In your presence now I come alive, I am alive with you. There is strength when I say, I will praise you, Lord. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I'll dance, in the shadows I sing. The joy of straight